Welcome to the Have You Ever podcast. My name is Michael Nielsen, a fitness enthusiast, lifelong learner who is always asking questions. Each week, I will dive into topics you've always wanted to know more about, but never had the courage to explore. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Have You Ever. Welcome to Season 2 of the Have You Ever podcast. In this episode, I am talking all things Canada with my cousin and friend, Zach Fair. We discuss life in Canada, the stereotypes we are most known for, famous Canadians, and much more. Zach has lived in Ontario, British Columbia, and is currently living in Nova Scotia. He has traveled to every province and has a unique perspective on what Canada is about from coast to coast. Although most of our listenership is from Canada, we do have listeners from the United States and other countries. For those who are listening from outside of Canada, for the duration of this episode, I am happy to welcome you as an honorary Canadian. Now let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Have You Ever podcast. I'm very excited about my guest today. I have Zach Fair joining me. Great to have you with me today. Thanks, Mike. So in honor of Canada Day, we wanted to have this conversation about the great country that we both live in. Have You Ever has listeners tuning in from nine countries outside of Canada. So we hope that you can enjoy today's conversation as well. So Zach, if you met someone who knew nothing about Canada, how would you describe our country that we live in? It's very wide, so you can drive. We recently drove from British Columbia to Nova Scotia as part of a move, which I'm sure we'll discuss, and it was 6,000 kilometers. So you can drive and drive and drive, and you see all kinds of, of terrain, lakes. So I think it's very diverse and very very wide as a country. We, we tend to live very close to the border of, of the U.S., and you kind of follow that strip all the way along, but it's very, very wide. It was actually in the U.S., but my brother once had a friend who came to visit from Germany, and she wanted to take a bus from New York to Chicago. Like, actually, that was like two or three hours. I know it's, it's the same kind of thing. It'd be like flying into Halifax, and you had to go to Vancouver for the weekend on the bus. Like, no, so it's just very big, very wide. Yeah, a lot of people from Europe have this misknowledge of how big Canada is. I was the same thing. My cousins are from Denmark, and they when they were here, like, hey, can we go see the Rockies? Well, yeah, but it's going to be like, a, you know, a four day drive. Yeah, like that's the trip. You want to go there. Yeah, you don't just go that. Go there and see that and come back. So Canada is made up of many different provinces and territories. Can you let our listeners know what they are and how many you've personally lived in or visited? Sure, there's 10 provinces. So if we go west to east, it's British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec. New Brunswick, PEI, Nova Scotia, and Newfoundland. I've been to all 10 of those. Across the top, there's three provinces, uh, the Yukon, Northwest Territories, and Nunavut. I had the um, good fortune last year during COVID. Camping was allowed from between uh, Yukon and British Columbia, so we were able to take a camping trip up to the Yukon, so we've been there. I've not yet been to the Northwest Territories or Nunavut, but that's our next big Canadian trip is to go up there. Very similar to what you would have in the States, or the United States, you know, each has their own little state and uh, that's what we have here in Canada provinces or territories. What would you say is something about Canada you wish more people knew about? I, I think it's very interesting that, that it's bilingual. A lot of people know that you may have heard that it's bilingual, but it's actually a very important part of Canada. 
just over 20% of Canadians have their first language as French. We have two provinces where French is an official language. And even driving around places like Hamilton, Ontario, near where you or I grew up, a lot of the road signs are in French and English. So I think we actually absorb more French than we than, than we think we do. And I think that I almost wish as, as Canadians, we embrace that a bit more too. I, I took French all the way through high school and can read a little bit. But I think the fact that we are a bilingual country, there aren't that many countries in the Western world that are bilingual, I don't think. But how, yeah, they have two. You know, you've yeah. got America does have a lot of Spanish, but it's not really like an official language per se. Yeah, because even if you're flying on an airplane, you know, they give all the safety warnings in French and English. Like when it's an official language, it really means something. Like you, 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 when you pull up to the border, if you're coming back from the U.S., there's always one booth open that speaks French and English. You have the ability to choose to be basically be, be served in the official language of your choosing. So it's definitely a big deal. What would you say makes Canada unique if we're comparing it to other places around the world? I, I think uh, due to its size, it's 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 quite unique that that it, it's there's such a um, trend across Canada of people sort of liking uh, the same thing. We, we have a lot in common, which considering that we're six thousand kilometers apart, you know, people love Tim Hortons, they love coffee, some some, some of the cliches. But c- considering smaller countries have very fragmented populations or populations in the north of a country that's very different from the south, Canada is fairly homogeneous in terms of what we we like. I think. I think although we have a lot of, of, of diversity as well, and I think just being able to keep that intact across how many time zones do we have? Uh, four major ones, five major ones, plus um, uh, Newfoundland, which is half an hour behind. So just even in time zones, um, that's a big difference I've noticed moving from uh, British Columbia to Nova Scotia. The Jays games used to start at uh, four, four o'clock in British Columbia, they start at eight o'clock in Atlantic Canada. And even something like that, that's to be able to keep a country intact when we have you know, four of the 24 time zones is quite a, quite a big deal. So many Canadians, uh, including yourself and, and me, like to travel to many different places around the world. But Canada is often forgotten as a place to travel by our own citizens. So, you know, you mentioned earlier, you've been to every province now and lived uh, in many locations as well. What would you say is your favorite place in Canada to either visit or travel to? Oh, that's a good question. I, I just recently moved from there, so I could be biased, but British Columbia is very beautiful, especially Vancouver Island. It's a bit of a trip in and of itself. It'd be a long drive from Ontario, but I'd say Vancouver Island. I personally have a bad tendency of looking at maps as though they're flat. So if you're looking at the map of Canada, you see Vancouver Island, you assume it's flat, and it's not. It's very mountainous and very beautiful. And I think that's a, a, a really good area to go visit. Just It takes probably four or five days to explore the whole thing. So I think to your point, for, for a Canadian, you have to fly to Victoria or fly to Nanaimo and drive around. It's not something that just sort of happens on its own. You have to plan that trip and, and go there compared to living in an area where, where you can do day trips. A lot of Canada requires planning to go to that place and visit it. Yeah. You, you know, if, if you're living in Ontario, it, it's a big commitment. If you want to go out west to drive across Ontario, is going to take you at least a day to get into Manitoba. Yeah, you drive through Ontario forever. It's coming to stop in sort of Sault Ste. Marie area for your first night out of southern Ontario, then Thunder Bay, maybe your second night. And then it's about four hours from Thunder Bay to Manitoba. So you're, when does this end? But then you hit the prairies, it starts right. going a bit quicker. So th- there are many different famous Canadians across many different disciplines, whether that's in athletics or music or acting. And I would say that as Canadians, we're very proud of other famous Canadians. Who would you say are some of your favorites and why that might be the case? 
I, I, I really like Gord Downey and the entire Tragically Hip. So I just watching their performance uh, this past weekend, their first one without Gord Downey with uh, Leslie Feist as the lead singer. Uh, big fan of, of Gord Downey. But yeah, a lot of proud Canadians living out in Nova Scotia. Uh, Viola Desmond, who's on her $10 bill. I uh, run by her, her grave marker pretty frequently in a cemetery here. She was sort of like our Rosa Parks. She refused to leave a, um, a theater when she was asked to leave. She's entitled to her seat. So a, a, a lot of civil rights uh, pioneers. Yeah, that's a good question. It's easy to go to the athletes. We have the greatest hockey player of all time, Bobby Orr, and Wayne Gretzky as well, which he's also really good. Just kidding there. That's kind of a, a debate between the two, but really proud of our hockey. And then I think just kind of um, a lot of famous Canadians seem to be from small towns. I don't know if that's a thing that's common down in the U.S. as well, but I feel like a lot of Canadians like Gordie Howe came from Floral, Saskatchewan, which barely exists anymore. It's kind of a small town outside Saskatoon, but there's a lot of you can almost picture that being you, I think, because a lot of us also grew up in small towns. What was it? Uh, Alex Trebek was from Cochrane, Ontario. Yeah. yeah, especially up, up in the north of Ontario is a place they're very proud of people who are from there because a lot of those towns, like Chris Pronger is from uh, Kenora, and we drove through there, and there's a huge sign, like hometown of Stanley Cup champion Chris Pronger. So there's a lot of, a lot of pride with those small towns as well. Uh, the Stahl brothers are from a small village just outside Thunder Bay, and there's definitely a huge sign there, home of the four Stahl brothers. What are uh, some Canadian stereotypes that you've encountered over the years, which, you know, either may or may not be true? Oh, we definitely apologize even when something's not our fault. So if someone bumps into you, your first reaction, at least my first reaction is to apologize to them. You know, if, if I'm running and someone, you know, juts out in front of me, then I apologize, even though maybe they weren't looking where they were going. I think maybe we just do that to avoid conflict. I'd say we do really like coffee which is, is a stereotype, but very, very true, I find, probably more so than you might expect, given our British heritage and liking tea. And I think we're just very good at dealing with cold weather, because in most parts of Canada, the lower mainland of BC being an exception, we have winter, a solid winter for four to six months a year. So I think we kind of take it uh, uh, good naturally and just get used to putting on our snow tires, uh, winterproofing our, 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 our homes, and we put up with it with sort of good nature. And I think there are other countries in Northern Europe and Russia that have a similar thing, but we, it's kind of a stereotype that Canada is always cold. It's not always cold. We love our summer, but we definitely are very good at dealing with the cold. Yeah. I mean, right now it's, you know, when we're recording today, it's uh, June 7th and at least here in Ontario, it's been, you know, 30 degrees or so Celsius. I mean, that's one thing we should mention Canada, uh, at least compared to the United States uh, does use Celsius as our temperature gauge. But, you know, it's it's quite warm, you know, many parts of the year. But uh, as you mentioned, also can be very, very cold. What would you say, um, kind of a good question, you know, kind of to talk about how cold Canada can be. Someone moving from somewhere else in the world to Canada, what's something that you feel they should know about Canada before getting here? I, I think I definitely do some research on the spot where you're going to live because there's very differing climates in different parts of Canada. So I know. Um, when the, when the oil prices were high a few years ago and people were moving to Fort McMurray and Edmonton, a lot of people from oil rich places around the world, like uh, Nigeria or Saudi Arabia, Kuwait would, would, would go there. It's a very, very uh, different climate. So do a bit of research. I think Canadians are very good at helping out newcomers with, you know, toques and, and warm coats and stuff when they don't have that. But I really research the area that you're going to because some other parts like Southern, very Southern Ontario, like Windsor area, you know, it gets very hot. I mean, like all Ontario gets very hot during the summer. Just as you mentioned, I think people maybe don't expect that variety in temperatures. I'm not sure if we're in the very top of the world, but a lot of places that have probably a, a swing of 35 degrees Celsius as the high in the summer, say minus 20 in the, in the winter. So you just need a variety of clothes and a variety of 
of activities you have to do. Because if you're a big tennis player, you can't necessarily play tennis year round anywhere in Canada, maybe a few places in BC. So just having kind of that variety of, of seasons, a lot of places that people come from don't necessarily have the same variety of seasons. So you, we've mentioned a lot uh, today and you've mentioned many times how big Canada is and we're very different sort of geographically depending on where you live. You know, if you lived in British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, Newfoundland, all of these different locations would almost be like living in a different country um, if you were somewhere else. So now as someone who's lived in, you know, three different places, how would you describe some of these very unique areas that we have across Canada? Oh, that's a great question. I, I, I think they're very different uh, topographies for one thing. So if you're on the West coast in the Vancouver, you, you can see mountains all the time, unless it's fogged in. So if you look basically North, East or South, you're going to see mountains. Even if you look across to the Island, you can see mountains. So it's very, uh, a very mountainous. Then you cross through the Rockies into Alberta and it's very, very flat until you get to Ontario when you hit the uh, Canadian shield and then you get it out East. It's the old, the very tail end of the Appalachian. So they go into the ocean. So very, I think the highest point I was looking at in Nova Scotia, not including Cape Breton, which has a few mountains. It's only something like, I'm going to uh, get this factually wrong, but generally correct. I think it's about 500 feet high. And, and, uh, and even the highest point in, in Ontario isn't really high. When you go to the Yukon and BC, you're talking, you know, like Mount Logan, I think is t- over 20,000 feet. So there's a big difference there in, in the topography. And just like the colors you see, like on the prairies, the classic, you know, golden grain with blue sky, Ontario has a lot of blue lakes. So you, you get a lot of different color schemes going across Canada, which makes it very um, interesting to see. And it kind of changes in some places gradually, some places pretty sudden. So if you're driving north of Toronto, it goes from being farm country to Canadian Shield, almost right by Paul Weber's. I always look for the spot. There's a spot when you're noticing farms and they just stop and the shield starts. Same thing with going from Ontario to Manitoba, basically the shield ends, the prairies start. Um, There are some areas where it's a bit more gradual, but it's interesting how kind of stark some of those contrasts are. So, I mean, that, that's a lot of the like physical differences. Would you say that any of the, these locations are very unique in terms of the people that you find in uh, these areas? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I'd say living on, on, on the East Coast, it's changed a little bit since COVID. A few more people have moved out here. It's a lot of people live here for their entire life and, and don't really plan on leaving. Whereas in British Columbia, I find it was very, very common to meet people who weren't originally from British Columbia. Well, they moved to Canada from China or India, which is often the first destination for people coming from Asia. Or people moved out from Toronto, people moved out from Alberta. Finding a second generation British Columbian would be a lot more difficult than a second generation person from Nova Scotia. In Ontario, it's a bit more of a mix. And, and yeah, I, I think people are a bit more probably friendly on, on the East Coast because there are fewer uh, new faces. That they're more used to welcoming people. In BC, everyone kind of assumes everybody else is a bit new. So you're kind of going through it uh, uh, together. And I think it's so expensive in BC as well that people plan to go there. A lot of people go there, go go to Whistler to ski for a couple of years or live in Vancouver and then plan to move out of there once they want to buy a house in a place like Saskatchewan or um, some other place. Manitoba is a little bit cheaper. What would you say is your most interesting fact or facts about Canada? Uh, one of the most interesting facts, I was doing a bit of research. I had a little bit of anxiety when you told me you were asking that question. So I have a lot of interesting facts, but I wanted to find one that was interesting to your uh, uh, listeners, I hope this is interesting. I, I found it interesting. I was looking at the relative populations over time. So I went back to the 1911 census, which is one of the first ones. And uh, Nova Scotia was almost, was one of the larger provinces then. So certain provinces, Nova Scotia and, and, and Saskatchewan, were both uh, proportionally a lot bigger as a part of Canada. And, and they've shrunk proportionally over time. Overall, their populations are bigger, whereas British Columbia and Alberta were very small back then. So there's been a massive shift in where people live in Canada, especially with urbanization. But 
urban centers like Calgary and, and, and Edmonton have grown. I think that's a little bit uh, unique to Canada. I feel other parts of, there's probably some population shifts, but we like to say at France versus during the same time period, the major cities are still the major cities, probably an overall trend of, of people living in, in the cities, but Canada's had a big change as, as oil came to the West, as British Columbia really opened up. British Columbia got a pretty late start. So in, in Nova Scotia, uh, the first settlement was 1604 in Annapolis Royal. And in British Columbia, the first settlement was around 1855. So there's actually a huge, um, it's almost 250 years later that 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 the Western part of Canada got settled to, to the point where you hear about old growth, old growth logging on Vancouver Island. The reason that has, has never been been logged is places out there are still building, you know, like, like the logging roads. So uh, Northern Ontario had all, all its old growth logged probably in, 1840, 1850, and BC just gradually got opened up. A very cool town called uh, Tofino on the west coast of Vancouver Island. They just built a road there, I think, in the late 60s. They, there was a logging road. Until then, you could only access it by by boat, and that wasn't that long ago. So British Columbia is actually relatively young versus the East Coast, which is a pretty um, interesting thing given the, the relative life of Canada. I think only yeah, basically 12 years before Canada became a country did British Columbia really start to have people go there. It's interesting as someone who's never been there, you know, like we've talked about, you know, you can live your entire life and not get to some of these locations. So in, in the world of COVID that we live where we can't go outside of uh, our own country might be a good time to go. Yeah. That, that's actually why I mentioned we went to, to, to the Yukon last year during last summer, I think people between BC and Alberta, you could do it for emergency purposes, but it wasn't encouraged, but Yukon sort of had a, an open border with British Columbia and I, I normally a lot of Americans that drive through the Yukon to get to Alaska and, and there still were, but they weren't allowed to stop. So the campgrounds were basically wide open, almost too wide open. Sometimes the only one there which can be a little bit scary, but even for, for, to get from Vancouver to the Yukon, it's probably a solid like three day drive. So we had two week vacation. We weren't even in the Yukon until day four. So it gives you a, a scope, but I, I really like driving. You can always fly into one of those places. You can fly into the Yukon. But getting appreciation for the changes as, as you go up there, the trees get a bit smaller, the mountains get a little bit smaller, and then all of a sudden uh, you're there. So it helps understand the transition. In your opinion, what food is Canada most known for and what is your favorite? Probably maple syrup, I would say. I, I know like the Northeast US would lay claim to that, but Quebec and Ontario have great maple syrup. And I, I really like dark maple syrup. So there's a guy up in, in Huntsville that used to always sample maple syrup at the farmer's market and make you try dark medium and, and amber or, or light and i was like the dark the best it's got the most most flavor uh, uh, uh poutine is probably a close second but i say even during my lifetime i feel like poutine's become a lot more trendy it used to be only really available in in, in the quebec i think when i was a kid and now like mcdonald's and tim hortons everyone's got a poutine and I, I i've never been a huge fan of poutine i might get some some flack for saying that i i really like gravy really like uh, cheese curds really like fries but not necessarily together i always get it all over my face so <laughs> What is uh, one thing you want our listeners to get out of today's conversation, Zach? I, I, I'd say if, if you're from Canada, then really take a chance to explore. And even within the, the province that you're in, that's something I really appreciate coming to Nova Scotia. There's many diverse parts of Nova Scotia, and it's not the biggest province, but uh, the Annapolis Valley, we drove up there yesterday. It's, it's very farmland, huge tides in the Bay of Fundy. Uh, Cape Breton has the highlands, and, uh, and the South Shore is very scenic ocean-wise, and that's a relatively small province. So really get out and try and explore your area. And then, yeah, it's actually very convenient to, to travel. It's the same dollar. You know, it's like your driver's license. It, it, it's very, there's, there's no passport required, which is really nice. And then people who are from outside Canada, 
uh, 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 do some research. And if you pick a spot in Canada, um, uh, go and visit it. You almost won't be disappointed because I think like everything has its own uh, unique. There's no good or bad part to visit. Uh, they're all great. So I think pick a spot and visit it. And whatever you really want to get, you want almost like a hot desert-like climate, then Calgary is great. You want like the ocean, you pick either side. So you can really pick. You want culture has almost everywhere. We didn't talk much about uh, Quebec, but uh, Quebec City is just fabulous. It's like a little European city in, in the middle of North America. So I, there's so many things to discover. Just don't don't try and rush and hit you know Halifax, Quebec City, Montreal, Toronto, like in a three-day span because you're not really going to enjoy any of it. Nor do you may not even be able to get there. Yeah, <laughs> you'll literally just be driving. Yeah. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I always ask uh, this one last question. What's something you want to learn more about? And again, does this not have to be related to our conversation today about Canada? Um, it's sort of a, a, a bit of a meta thing as I was thinking a lot about Canada leading up to this podcast, uh, the way that countries form and then sort of stay, stay the same. So there's been some big uh, disruptions in, in uh, world geography. Um, so the, 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 the 19th century and 18th century being a big one in North America. But since then, it's basically been, been static. I don't think the border with the U.S. hasn't changed since then. So it's interesting to me how these big events happen and then people kind of deal with it and then set up their own geography. I think that's very true around the world as well. There are some borders that move from time to time, but just from when borders are set, how we start to differentiate ourselves from say like the U.S. to, to, to the South. I guess it's kind of a combination of human geography and sociology, but really studying how those artificial barriers that get made in Canada's case, the 49th parallel, it has a big impact leading down the road on, on culture and a variety of things when really it was arbitrarily drawn by a border commission, you know, in I think 1810 thereabouts, they said the 49th parallel for the most part would be, would be the line. And, and, and since then, you know, things evolve the way they evolve. So just really looking how those arbitrary decisions have played off in human history is quite fascinating to me. Well, Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. And it's uh, certainly been a pleasure to talk about the uh, country that we live in. Thanks, Mike. And I, I love the podcast. I listen to all the episodes right when they come out. You're doing a great job. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning into the Have You Ever podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Do you have a topic you would like me to explore? I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at haveyouever.podcast. Have a great day and stay curious.